Welcome to Tap the Craft, an informational podcast about craft beer targeting the everyday beer drinker. My name is Denny Luce, and joining me tonight is my co-host and drinking buddy, John Ream. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm all right. Sad the weekend's over, but ready to talk some beer. All right. I'm, I'm also sad the weekend's over. Uh, we can, my famous catch line when I, when people ask how I'm doing on Monday morning is, Hey, how was your weekend? I always say it was too short. That sums it up right there. <laughs> Understand what we're doing here. This is a craft beer podcast and John and I are craft beer enthusiasts. And that means that, Hey, we love everything that has to do with craft beer. We love to drink it. We love to talk about it. We love to learn about it. And we, and you know what? We want to share our knowledge with everyone else out there that is looking to get into the craft beer hobby. And we're going to do this in simple to understand terms. We call layman terms. No elitist speak. Uh, We're just going to talk to you like everyday people. And so that you guys can feel comfortable jumping into this hobby. And I I want to reiterate too, we haven't mentioned this in a while, but hey, John and I, we're not experts. Like I said, we're enthusiasts. So we're going to say a lot of stuff. Most of it will, will be fact. But some of it is going to be opinions because, again, we're enthusiasts and sometimes our love of the hobby will interfere with maybe some facts because we, you know, may not have it all straight. If we make a mistake, we encourage all of our listeners to write in to the show and tell us we made a mistake. But we also want you to tell us your experiences with craft beer and we want you guys to ask questions because we like to answer questions on the show. And I haven't done this before, but I want to just put a request out there to everyone that, hey, you know what? We've got this will be our eighth show and uh, we're on iTunes and Stitcher. If you guys could just jump into iTunes and leave a a little review, just a a rating of how we're doing. Let us know. Give us some feedback uh, and help us promote the show on Stitcher and on iTunes. That'd be great. This is episode eight. And we're recording this on Sunday, November 9th, 2014. And in this episode, we're going to discuss a couple things. We're going to discuss beer freshness and tips to avoid purchasing stale beer or bad beer. And we're also going to talk about the biggest news last week, at least to me, uh, was is 10 Barrel Brewing's acquisition by big beer company Anheuser-Busch InBev. All right, John. Well, hey, it's happy hour. You know what? Uh, a craft beer show just wouldn't be a craft beer show if we weren't drinking some good quality craft beer while we're talking about it. So what are you drinking tonight? So I am drinking the Stone Stochasticity Project Hibiscity, and I'm so happy I just nailed that. Wow. Um, <laughs> perfect, perfect 10. So uh, this is a, it's a new series that Stone's been doing. Uh, I think this is the second one. The first one was a, a grapefruit IPA that yep. they put out, yep. and uh, this one is a Belgian-style ale brewed with uh, hibiscus flower and orange peel. Uh, it it pours with kind of a almost a pinkish hue to it, uh, you know, very floral and fruity. I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I've had that one, and I do. I enjoy all the special stone beers that they have, but the and I can't even, I'm not going to try to stay the Stochasticity city, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, those, those are good. Uh, they, they do make one. And I think they've at least had two, but 
it seems like they've had more than two, but I think you're right. They may have only had the grapefruit one and, and this one. Uh, did you have the grapefruit one? I did. I enjoyed that one a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. Excellent. Well, I am not drinking something so fancy as that. Uh, I wish I was, but I, but hey, I'm not going to complain. I'm drinking Widmere Brothers Burr, uh, nice winter warmer, my favorite winter warmer. And a little side story real quick is last night was the Oregon Duck versus Utah Utes game. And I started off drinking some local Idaho beer right here from Boise, from Payette. And uh, the first quarter was not going so well. And I said, okay, I need to rally up the troops. I need to support the Ducks by going back to some Oregon beer. And I just happened to have a six-pack of Burr in my fridge. So I opened it up, poured it in, and guess what? From that point on, the game turned around, and Oregon started playing the way they're supposed to play. So the power of the Burr. Just remember that. <laughs> All right. Hey, John. Um we had a pretty busy week this week. We guest hosted on another podcast, uh, The Platform Junkies, and we got to talk a lot about beer. We did. Uh, we joined them for a very packed house. I think we had six <laughs> people on. Yeah, six people. Uh, yeah, we talked a lot of beer. Uh, we uh, also talked some video games and you know some more personal stuff, so... Uh, definitely go check out Platform Junkies. Uh, was what episode seventy six? Yep, seventy six. All right. Sweet. Yeah, good job. Yeah, it <laughs> it was a good time. Uh, I will warn you, it's a little bit lengthy. It's almost three hours long, and uh, it it but it was fun. I, I had a great time. I really appreciate all the support that the Platform Junkies provide to us. Uh, on you know by by supporting us by mentioning our show on their podcast and of course by inviting us on to talk about our show and to talk about craft beer. So thank you. And uh, one other thing just real quick is uh, on Friday, I normally have payday beer club with the guys at work. I've mentioned it on the show before Um, this Friday wasn't payday, but you know what? Hey, it's okay to go out and have beers even when it's not Friday. And we started off with our favorite spot, which was the Brewers Haven. It's a local craft beer. Uh, homebrew market and they also sell plenty of uh, craft beer there and they have six taps where you can drink beer right there and that's our normal hangout we started there for a couple of nice beers and then we went off to another local brewery that i hadn't had a chance to visit and when john was here we were supposed to go visit um, but it, our plans just couldn't work out to to make it there on that saturday and it's uh, edge brewing and i'll tell you what uh, i was very impressed with their beer and the the whole establishment it had a it was a it, it was made to entertain people you know it has a restaurant well it's kind of a restaurant but it's, it serves pub mostly pub pub food like sandwiches and fries and nachos and these fancy things but you know what the food was great huge portions and the beer they have 20 taps and it was it was really nice to get a variety of beer so is that twenty taps of their own? Yeah, that's their, their wow. own their own beer. Uh, so that's impressive to have twenty rotating taps. Now, it, what's funny is I didn't. I will say one thing that was not very good, and that the service was a little bit lacking. I think they need to get more people, more servers for the size of the of the area that these guys have to maintain. Uh, they only had, I think, they had three waiters 
or wait, you know, people out there serving you. And it, we did have to wait to get our beer, wait to get our food. I mean, there was some waiting, but you know what? It was okay because, you know, we were just chatting and, and having a good time just talking. But, uh, you know, there was a point where we were saying, hey, we've been here for 30 minutes. I need a damn beer, you know? <laughs> if you got to wait 30 minutes for getting a beer, that's a little bit, a little bit long. I'm surprised you actually waited that long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was being patient. I was in a good mood. So, and I had a group on. So, you know, some of the beer I wasn't paying for. So, I got to be a little bit, you know, more understanding. Although I did pay for it, but I got a really good discount. But yeah, so John, next time you come out, we're going to hit this Edge Brewing because I'm really curious to see how you, what you think of the establishment. I think it's one of the, the better, um, organize i mean uh set up it's got a, a, the decor and everything everything looks more like it's was uh, put together with a plan instead of just thrown together in a room you know, like a lot of the breweries around here just you you have the brewery and you have a room they just kind of throw together with some chairs and and some beer taps but this was more uh, it had a lot of tvs around they had a lot of sports going on um and you know what? The other thing, it wasn't too loud. That's the other thing I liked about it. A lot of times when you go to these smaller breweries, the the noise from everyone talking just overcomes, and you, and everyone's got to talk louder and louder and louder to be able to hear their conversation. Yeah. And, okay, old man. Well, <laughs> but you know what? This place with as many people that were in there, the level of that you had to talk was not as high as I expected. So they really did a good job with the acoustics in there too. I think it's uh, well done. Nice. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can uh, go check it out sometime. Of course, of course, I'd love to. All right, that's a bit. That's it for our uh, last week in uh, in review, I guess. <laughs> Let's get into. We have another listener question, and we told you earlier we love listener questions. This question is comes from our good buddy, our farmer in Washington State, Josh Laney. He's known on Twitter as X Eternal Soul X, and he asks this question: So, how different? Does an ale taste to, let's say, a Sam Adams, Oktoberfest, or a Hefeweizen? And he also says, I'm sure that's a broad question. And, uh, John, uh, you're the brewing expert. So what is the difference between, and I'm going to summarize this as what he's saying is, what's the difference between um, a lager and an ale? Because that's the two different style of, of brewing techniques. Yeah. So, so Josh is right. That is a very broad question. Um, so from a brewing perspective, the difference between a lager and an ale is the yeast that's used. Uh, an an ale yeast is what's called a top fermenting yeast and a lager yeast is a bottom fermenting yeast. Uh, lager yeast is happier at colder temperatures generally, and an ale yeast is happier at warmer temperatures. So having said that, uh, I would, I would suggest looking at ales and lagers as kind of parents uh to a broad array of styles beneath them mm-hmm. um so like these these beers that uh josh mentioned sam adams oktoberfest or a hefeweizen so an oktoberfest is a style of lager uh, and a hefeweizen is actually an ale an ale uh style um uh so a wheat beer fermented with an ale yeast mm-hmm. um so among these two groups there are a huge range of flavors and aromas and all this based on different styles. Uh, so an ale covers things from, you know, the Hefeweizen that's going to be 
banana and fruity and, and greeny all the way up to an IPA, some really hoppy, citrusy, that kind of thing, to a stout, which is mm-hmm. roasty, you know, yeah. this this whole gamut. And you have a similar thing with lagers. You can have dark lagers, hoppy lagers. Um, so fr- from a, an ale versus lager thing, it's it's really difficult to to say this is the different tastes mm-hmm. um, just because there's a huge uh, breadth of what each of these individual beers could even be. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. So, um, so yeah, I think in reality, it would be too, too difficult to try to summarize every style and, you know, and, and try to, 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 you know, diff, you know, explain what each style of every ale and every lager, uh, how they compare in, in general, like John said, it's, uh, well, I don't know. Did you say I? I it, it doesn't really. The tastes are going to be different regardless because you're going to have different styles of lagers that have similar taste profiles as an ale would. Um, so it's not. I don't think it's easy to to differentiate between an ale and lager just by a certain taste or flavor. Now, John, um, is it is, since lagers are cold fermented? Is it is it safe to say that 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 typically lagers are drank? Also at a colder temperature than let's say a regular ale or a, you know stout and stuff. Uh no, I don't okay. think I would say that. Um, there are certain styles. Uh, you know, a lot of the lighter lagers are actually meant to be drank that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a lot of the other stuff, like anything else, as it warms up, you release a lot of that flavor and aroma. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think I would classify it in that way. Okay. Um, although I just had a thought that perhaps one sweeping generalization you could make is that uh, the one difference between lagers and ales is lagers tend to not be uh, not have a lot of yeast character. Uh, ales tend to have uh, more yeast character, which could be a fruity character, a spicy character, and a Belgian um, that type of thing. But lagers are generally pretty clean. Um, okay. From yeah. Yeast from a yeast perspective. Okay. Yeah. So. I, I can see that. That's a, that's good. Yeah. I'll agree with that. All right. Anything else on that, John? I think you, you we pretty much, uh, yeah. And hopefully we, in some roundabout way answered your question, Josh, but if not, please write back and, and maybe clarify and we can hone in on what you're aiming at. So, yeah. And if you need more words than 140 characters, you can write us at our email at tap the at gmail.com little plug there emails all right well hey that was a great listener question let's move into the brew buzz segment the brew buzz is basically a segment that's devoted to discussing various beer topics and this week we're going to discuss the topic of beer freshness and john why don't you go ahead and get us started off on this topic okay so you know all this talk about you know stale beer fresh beer obviously with anything in food, the fresher you have something, the better it is. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to maximize your flavors, your aromas, all of that. Um, and so we want to help you guys know what to look for at the store to to buy, you know, the freshest beer you can. And then also how to keep it fresh once you buy it. Um, so things that get in the way of freshness. Uh, as beer ages, uh, it can oxidize or become skunked. 
uh, an oxidized beer, uh, it's caused by oxygen that's getting into the into the bottle um, through the cap. Uh, I mean, as sealed as that is, there's still very small amounts of oxygen that are going to be able to get through. And the beer will react with that oxygen, and it can start to taste like cardboard or paper kind of flavor, sometimes like a sherry, like wine kind of character. Um, and these can be really off-putting uh, in a lot of styles. There are some that a sherry character can be acceptable, um, but it's a very small number of beers that that you would actually look for that. Um, and then, you know, skunked beer, uh, unfortunately, the, the name of that is pretty self-explanatory for what you're about to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, a lot of sulfur, which is caused by light uh, hitting uh, the beer and actually breaking down uh, the hop compounds that are present in the beer. And it, it creates this sulfur character um, that uh, is very unpleasant and is very obvious when you pop it open. And actually, this can happen even after you've poured your beer. Yeah. If you're sitting out on the deck and drinking it on a hot, sunny day, mm. if that sun is shining right in your beer, um, it can actually make that happen yeah. while you're drinking it. So yeah, I, that's if you're out, I- try to keep your... Your beer in the shade. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I was just going to say is I've actually had this experience when, like John just mentioned, drinking a beer out, especially when you're at a, at a, uh, a summer picnic, you know, maybe a company picnic or some, something where you're outside and there may not be a lot of shade and you set your glass down just for a few minutes. And when that light, you know, hits it, that the, you know, you may drink half the beer, set it down for just a, a minute or two. It didn't really heat it up like make it warm, but it was enough for the light is hitting it where that last half of that beer didn't taste like the first half. It react. I mean, it was that quick to be able to kind of turn the flavors uh, off a little bit in, in the beer. And I thought, I thought, you know, I've experienced some of, some of that. And it's that, uh, what do they call that? Photo chemical react. I don't know. I'm, I'm going back to my science days, but I think it's like a, it's like photo light, uh, chemical reaction that, that causes this uh, reaction to sure to, I'll go along with that yeah yeah it sounds <laughs> it sounds good it yeah sounds just good. say it with confidence next time and uh, so, yeah you know, be <laughs> yeah photochemical whatever I'm, I'm not a chemical engineer so I don't know that whole stuff <laughs> but um, one other thing John is can the brewing uh, again I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm going off of your experience as a home brewer can the brewing process itself um, make the beer more prone to being uh, having issues with oxidation uh, just by the way that you're brewing it, maybe somehow forcing oxygen into the beer before you get it into the bottle? Or um, or is it literally just the fact that oxygen is, is seeping in? So, yes, uh, it can uh, be put in during the whole process of brewing. Uh, any time oxygen is added after fermentation, it, then you would potentially run into this problem. Uh, and that's why most uh, like packaging lines will purge the container with CO2 uh, before oh. filling with beer because otherwise when you're filling with beer, it's swirling and mixing up the oxygen that's present in the, in the can okay. or the bottle. Um, so uh, they'll do their best to purge anything where, when they're going to be doing a transfer to avoid uh, introducing that oxygen. Okay. Wow, nice. Excellent. All right, so John, um, how do you know uh, if the beer that you're buying in a store is actually fresh or not? Okay, so you know we, we've talked about some of these things that can happen to the beer. So now we want to 
look for situations to minimize that. Um, so I'd say the number one thing would be to look for beer that's kept in a cooler. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, keeping a beer cold will reduce the rate of any kind of change. Uh, and I believe I heard this in an interview some time in the past, and I believe it was with Dr. Charlie Bamforth, who I think is a professor at a UC Davis at their brewing program. Mm. Um, if I'm incorrectly attributing that, I apologize to whoever <laughs> actually came up with this. Um, but I, I believe it's every 20 degrees uh, increase uh, in temperature doubles the rate of like oxidation and spoilage. Uh, and you know, I don't have numbers to tell you what those rates are at any particular temperature, but just the, the main takeaway is the colder you can keep the beer, obviously without freezing it, mm-hmm. uh, the better. Um, so the stores that are keeping that beer in, in a cooler, even if there is, you know, even that oxygen that it is coming through the cap at that very slow rate, it's going to slow down anything that's going to happen. Um, and the other thing is, uh, the cooler doors will help filter out some of that light that's going to hit the bottles. And, uh, so it's another layer of protection, mm-hmm. um, for that. Uh, if you don't have a store that keeps things cool or maybe they have overages, you know, so they've got stuff out that can't fit in all, in the coolers. Um, one way to actually know how fresh that beer is, is to see if there's dust on the bottle. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it seems really simple, but, uh, I mean, if there's dust, it's been sitting, uh, you know, and this is really more an issue for a lot of your year round releases. Um, most seasonal beers are going to be brought in and snatched up pretty quick. So I wouldn't worry about it in that regard, um, too much, but you know, it's, it's just one thing you can look for to kind of protect yourself, um, when you're searching the, the shelves. Good, good recommendation. I, you know, I have some recommendations too. Uh, just from from experiences uh, and, and basing the whole thing on again, like you mentioned, the the uh, direct sunlight, uh, the light, the heat, and and stuff. So one one suggestion is, hey, don't buy any beer that's on display by windows that have access to the sun beating into it. That that's one thing that you probably don't don't want to do. I mean, that it is both for cans and bottles, uh, bottles as far as the light penetrating. And cans, of course, because as we already mentioned, every 20 degrees of increase doubles the the rate of oxidation and spoilage. So even in a can that's not going to get the light in there, you're still going to have that heated uh, component that will that causes a spoil. Uh, also, same thing. Don't buy shelved bottle beers on display that have harsh lighting. Now, I heard something, and I don't know if this is true or not. Maybe it's just a, a old wives' tale, but um, you know, even it's the it's the UV light that comes through, and so all, all light that we have around generates UV, you know, some type of UV light. So if you have really bright lights that are displaying down, you know, some halogen big lights or whatever that are quartz lighting, uh, that could also, you know, be causing some issues with your beer if it's being displayed in a big heavy lighted area. So don't, you know, just buy stuff that's kind of more dark, you know, in the cooler, um, you know, not not in direct sunlight, not uh, in big heavy lights. Also, hey, stay away from those beers that are in clear or green bottles uh, because there's no filter at all. 
you know, clear bottle is the light's going to not have anything to, to try to, you know, block those, you know, the light rays from coming in. Uh, and you know that, you know, Corona and, uh, some of these, you know, and, and green beers, of course it's Heineken, you know, stay away from those yeah. skunky beers. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like, uh, Heineken, just get the Heineken. Yeah. So the Heineken. Yeah. I think yeah. the, he- I think, you know what, actually I think the the Heineken in a can is better anyway. I don't, I don't think I've ever had one in a bottle that was, in my opinion, it was decent. Uh, so again, we just mentioned, Hey, buy, buy cans to help prevent to prevent, prevent skunking and to reduce the chance for oxidation. That's a good, you know, there's a lot of craft beers now that are being packaged in cans because they've come a long way in making can processing, uh, not, you know, not transfer that metallic flavors and stuff into the beer. They have nice coatings on the inside that, that keep it tasting really good. So, okay, go cans if, if you can. Yeah. Cans will eliminate, a hundred percent of the skunking issue. Yeah. Is, like cannot penetrate that. And I believe, I mean, if they're sealed properly, it should not let any oxygen in either. So the only risk you'd have is if they transferred it poorly at the brewery. Yeah. Okay. So Excellent. And then the last uh, recommendation, and this is not on every craft beer, but there's a lot of breweries nowadays that are adding freshness dates, freshness dates to their bottles and cans. And some of them will be in this. Uh, they'll, they'll do it in a couple of different ways. They'll say they'll have a date that it was the date that was bottled or canned, or it'll be a date that's like best drank by this date. And if it doesn't have a date, then there's a, a a code that the brewer will put on the can. It usually consists of the Julian date, and uh, or you know something that has their their own method of differentiating when what day of, of the year that they uh, bottled that beer and john says that you can uh you can go visit their website and you can usually will point out what the code means on that yeah bottle can. yeah some of the places that use codes they'll kind of give you the key to that um on their website and sometimes it's just which batch it was to give you a kind of idea of how how long that beer's been in existence. So. Oh, true. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, you're right. Batches. That's true. They have the batch number. Excellent. All right. So hey, we purchased our beer. We made sure that we didn't buy it in all these bad ways. We 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 say okay. I think, I, the best of my knowledge, I I got good quality beer. Now, what are your recommendations for maintaining that freshness after it's purchased? Purchased and we bring it home. So you know. We've talked about these things you want to look for in a store, and it's really a lot of those same principles that you want to bring home. Uh, so if you've got the space, keep your beer in the fridge. It's mm-hmm. absolute best for it. Um, it'll keep it fresh as long as possible. Uh, if, if you don't have enough space uh, in your fridge or you know your significant other won't let you get a beer-specific fridge, <laughs> uh, you know, just find a place in your house that stays at a cool temperature you know, the cooler, the better, um, obviously, and that's not getting any kind of light sunlight or anything hitting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll help you keep your beer as fresh as possible. And I know when I first started getting into beer, uh, a lot of people told me, you know, you don't want to have the beer warm up and cool down and warm up and cool down. And, you know, if you get it warm at the store, you want to keep it warm until you're ready to drink it, then you cool it and drink it. Um, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, as we've discussed, the warmer the beer is, the faster it's going to spoil. 
So you want to keep your beer cold, um, as cold as you can. Uh, if you get it warm from the store, you have a chance to correct their mistake and cool it down at your house. So, um, always keep your beer as cold as you can. So, all right. Excellent. So now that we've talked about all these things that can affect our, our beer freshness, um, are there styles that are more sensitive to being fresh or drank sooner than later? Uh, yes. So any style that is focused on the hops, um, you know, pale ales, IPAs, double IPAs, all these, uh, these beers, some of your hoppier stouts and, and things, uh, you'll want to drink those fresh, uh, hops actually are the first thing to kind of drop out of a beer. Uh, your, your aroma and your flavor will give way to all the malt, um, and stuff pretty quick. Mm -hmm. So you want to drink those IPAs and, and things fresh, uh, you know, and that's kind of the Stone Enjoy by IPA, which I think we've talked about before. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, you know, that was kind of created in this kind of principle here where they say, drink this within 30 days. And they get, they brew it, they bottle it, they get it out there. And, you know, if it's left sitting around, they take it back and they destroy it. You know, <laughs> they don't <laughs> want people to experience this not in the most optimal environment. Mm hmm. Um, and you know, there are other things, uh, you know, IPAs from Russian river, I know are marked, uh, do not age drink now. Yeah, yep. like, um, you know, so these breweries know this and, you know, they're trying to convey it. So all, you know, all these hoppy styles, you want to drink those, um, early, you know, while they're still at their peak. Um, so, and you know, some of these things that, you know, the hops will, will drop out. But there are other things that will help a beer, stay fresh, um, longer, or at least age with grace. Um, so that's like a high alcohol, uh, content, uh, dark malts, um, which I believe has a factor in reducing oxidation. Hmm. Uh, and then ironically, a lot of hops. <laughs> <laughs> so beers that have a lot of hops, um, they'll tend to stay good without truly spoiling. You know, they may not taste uh, the way that the brewer intended them if you age them mm -hmm. because, you know, that hop character will drop out. But hops are a natural preservative, so they're going to help keep a lot of things at bay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think we'll probably cover cellaring on another show, and we'll go into more uh, more depth with this. But just to give you an idea of kind of some of the things to, to think about, it, you know, if, if you're making a decision, uh, you're staring at a stout and an IPA, you know, which to drink first, well... Go for that IPA and yeah. come back for the stout. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. You, you made a good point um, about the hops being a preservative. One thing that you that craft beer doesn't have besides the hops is preservative. They don't add anything to preserve the beer. So, just um, another reason I think why, as as beer ages more, it'll end up changing the, the flavors and everything. It, it gets oxidized and bad, bad because it doesn't have the preservatives besides the ingredients that they put into it, the natural ingredients. So, uh, which is good. You don't want to have false stuff put in your beer. You'd rather just go natural. On <laughs> natural. Yeah. Best way to go. On natural. All right. Hey, that was excellent, John. Good job. Uh, I think that all of our listeners now have a very good idea on how to buy 
fresh beer and how to keep it fresh and enjoy it uh, the way it's meant to be drank. So uh, that, that's the end of our Brew Buzz segment. Okay, now comes to uh, another uh, very, very difficult maybe to, to comprehend uh, or to, under, you know, to understand why someone would do this. But we're going to try to make this a uh, little bit of news a little bit more understandable to all of our listeners that might be confused, like many people are. And that's the, the news that was released this last Wednesday on the day after Election Day. Uh, in the morning, I got uh, I saw a tweet from my local newspaper, which said that uh, Ten Barrel Brewing is being sold to Anheuser Busch, and I thought it was a joke until I went to the article and I clicked the. And now there was a news a press release, but it's very general. It doesn't have a lot of details. And the press release was from the Anheuser Busch site, but the the Ten Barrel guys, because it's a small brewery. They put out a press release that was kind of a, a YouTube video, like a, I don't know, like a four-minute video, and half of that was bloopers, which was so it was like a really a two-minute video, explaining that hey, you know, we know this is going to come to a shock to hear that that we're being, you know, we're selling out to this big beer company, and they, you know they wanted to to stress a couple of things. They want to stress that hey. Uh, we're going to, you know what, let me just read it. I have a quote here that what they said in their video. It said, for the past eight years, we've been brewing beer, drinking beer, and having fun doing it, said the co-founder Jeremy Cox, who will continue to lead the Tin Barrel along with his partners, which is co-founder, his brother Chris Cox and Garrett Wells. He says, we are excited to stay focused on brewing cool beers, get our beers in more hands, and make the most of the operational and distribution expertise of Anheuser-Busch. So that kind of sums up their thought process on, on what they're doing. And one of the things they said in the video is, hey, what we love doing is, like I said, uh, drinking beer, brewing beer, and having fun. And uh, what they don't like is they don't like to have to do all the business aspect of it. They don't like to have to worry about inventorying bottles and worrying about distribution and getting, you know, trying to, to work out all the business and marketing aspects of it. That's not the fun part for them. And so I, I think this opportunity for them from Anheuser Bush. Now keep in mind that this brewery is still a very, this is the smallest brewery that Anheuser Bush has picked up. They, they bought two other breweries, uh, Goose Island, uh, which was like what, four years ago, John, how long ago was Goose Island? Uh, yeah, two or three years ago, I think at least. Okay, um, which was a pretty was pretty big already. I think when they picked them up, it was a fairly big one. And then there was one other uh, brewery they picked up, which I can't think of the name of it. Uh, one I never heard of. Something in New York. Um, it was something Point or something. Oh, Blue Point. Uh, Blue Point is the one, and again, never heard of it. So I'm sure that the local area, when they heard this news, was probably upset too. But Ten Barrel. Basically, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they doubled their brewing capacity last year. Went from I think 20,000 barrels to 40,000 barrels. I think that's what they put out this year. Uh, that's a small. That's still a very small. I mean, they, they they had a huge growth, and you know, they they basically doubled their their brewing capacity in one year. Uh, but it's you know, it's still a very small brewery in in perspective of all the bigger ones. You know, like. Lagunitas and Stone and of course 
um, Samuel Adams, right, is, is huge. Sierra Nevada uh, and even New Belgium, right? These are all breweries that started off the same size as like Timberell, and they just over time they grew it independently, and they made it to what they are. They they kind of did the hard work. They you know they have pride in it. Uh, they, they have their loyal customer base. That's the key. Is is what what makes people most upset to hear about their their local craft brewery selling out to some big beer is that they're afraid that they're going to lose that that personal relationship and that the beer is just going to be they're going to, you know that the the brewer now no longer has control of their beer and that the big beer is going to put down and say no you can't use that ingredient you're going to use this right and uh, and and people don't want to lose you know that 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 high quality craft beer that they have come to love um, before I start rambling on, John, what, what's your what do you what do you think of this news? Are you happy about uh, Ten Barrel uh, selling their brewery to Anheuser Busch? Uh, I don't know that happy is the word. Um, I do think we may have tempted fate by talking about what is crap and what is not yeah. on the last episode, <laughs> and now they they took your beloved Ten Barrel. Yes, um, but I mean, this is a brewery that we both have you know just come to just extremely enjoy oh yeah i mean almost everything they put out is a is a winner yes um and i think it's you know there's a lot of people upset with this news um you know local to the pacific northwest and otherwise uh just for the principle of you know one of the big brewers buying a a craft a small craft brewer Mm -hmm. but i think uh you know we are all really passionate about you know this craft beer and you know a lot of times we forget that it's a business yeah and at the end of the day if they're not selling beer and you know they can't continue to produce it and um it really is about money Mm -hmm. as much as we like to pretend it's not um and you know when goose island was purchased you know i told all my friends then you know i'm not going to stop drinking it as long as the the quality stays the same Mm mm-hmm you know, I, there are people that won't won't buy it now out of principle because they refuse to give Anheuser-Busch their money. Um, and, you know, there, there's certainly an argument to that. Uh, there are a number of documentaries and other things that highlight some of the practices that these big brewers have to keep smaller breweries off the shelves and and not on taps in, in bars and things. And so certainly there's some distribution tactics that that can be pointed to as a reason not to support it. But, you know, I, a lot of us left those brewers because we didn't like the way the beer tasted. Mm-hmm. It wasn't satisfying. Yeah. We wanted something better. Well, they're offering something better now. Sure. They, they bought it, you know, they didn't come up with it on their own necessarily, but they're giving us what we wanted when we left. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's tough. It It's, you know, pulling from, it's tugging at the heartstrings while still, you know, my head knows this is a, a great beer that I really want to drink, yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I, uh, so I, I don't think I'll stop drinking 10 barrel because no. of this, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm going to continue to drink their beer because it's awesome. Yeah. Um, and you know, if it comes to the point where I'm, you know, drinking an apocalypse IPA and I'm like, you know what, this just, doesn't taste right it this is slipped mm-hmm. um then yeah maybe i'll stop but i think until i have you know 
my own proof that things have gone downhill, I, I, I'm going to continue to to buy and drink 10 barrel beer. Okay. That's good news. Um, I am also taking the high road on this. Now, when the news came out, uh, I was shocked at seeing how many people were coming out of the woodworks just saying, I'm done. I'll never drink it again. Just right off the bat, they say, you know, they call them sellouts, that you, you that everything's, you know, that they don't care about craft beer. I'm, I'm not going to support them. They're no longer local. They won't support community. I mean, there's a whole lot of negativity came out. And uh, I found an article and I linked to it on our Tap to Craft G, uh, G, uh, Google Plus page. And it's called, uh, it's from allaboutbeer.com. And it was making sense of the Anheuser-Busch buying 10 barrel brewing article. And it was a pretty decent article. Now, I don't agree on everything that's in there, but I thought it, you know, it kind of does spell out some of the, the positives that could come about this and not, you know, and not just dwell on the negative aspect of it. And I posted it and I got um, a comment on it from a local in Bend that uh, was a, I think he was a little pissed that, that I was uh, trying to stay positive. And he kind of wrote, I'm just going to read this real quick. He said, uh, it says, I'm not going to name the guy. You can see who it is if you go to the Google Plus thing. But he says, he asked me, he says, staying positive for the sake of it? Please tell me something good that will come of this. And he, he quotes from the article. And it says, if you want a silver lining, though, it is, it is this. In buying 10 barrel, I hazard Bush in Bev is signaling a commitment to good beer. They realize that the craft segment is the future of beer and they want a piece of it. In buying 10 barrel, Einheiser-Busch InBev is signaling what we already knew in our hearts. Good beer has won. That's not so bad. And then he goes to say, comment on that. He says, ugh, rubbish through and through. First off, that is not a silver lining. I could care less that AB is committing to good beer. There are scores and scores of fantastic small craft breweries in the Pacific Northwest and beyond. So AB going all in to join the game is absolutely no consequence to me. Silver lining, I wish they would just get out of the market and leave it to those who are passionate about it. They do not innovate. They acquire. They take. That's the name of the game. And he goes to say the author, Jeff Allworth, is comforted by the fact that the mega corporation has, with truckloads of money, validated what he already knew in his heart that good beer has won. I find that repulsive, quite honestly. Now he's being, he's being, you know, he's, he's, He's definitely passionate. He's definitely a craft beer drinker because you're passionate about, you know, about your uh, your beer. So the last thing he says is, bottom line, this is a win for two parties alone, InBev AB and the Ten Barrel founders. For Ben locals, it's a major loss. Ten Barrel has been my favorite spot in Ben for a long time, but I'm moving on and I will continue to support our other awesome local breweries. Like the Ten Barrel shirt says, locals supporting locals. That's it with a bullet. So I, of course, I couldn't just stand by and just let him, you know, say that. So I went ahead and commented back to him. I said, thank you, blank, for your comments. I also struggle with the news, and I agree with your sentiments. You are correct. I'm trying to stay positive because I saw Tim Barrow as one of those very unique breweries that was going to grow in the craft beer industry like the Chutes, Stone, and Lagunitas through making great unique beer and with a growing loyal customer base. To see them sell out to big business hurts a bit, but because I believe they truly want to continue to innovate in craft beer without having to deal with all the headache 
of the business side, then I will give them the benefit of the doubt and I will see how it goes before I place judgment on them. Tin Barrel will still focus on the local community. This, is, this aspect is one of the things I like about them. As long as they continue to provide unique experiences, I will still support them. As far as being a win-win for InBev and Timberill, you are mistaken. The winners are all the beer drinkers out there who currently cannot enjoy Timberill beer and will soon have the opportunity to experience what we all, what we have already. Why should only a few be able to enjoy the great beer Timberill produces? I'm all about sharing the goodness, and this is one way to get the job fast-tracked. It just may not be the way we imagined it would happen. So... In a nutshell, that's my take on this. That's how I'm trying. I am trying to stay positive on this news because when I first heard, I was crushed and I was just I couldn't believe that they, you know, that they would sell. But I I still believe they they want to make good beer. And until they prove me, until they prove wrong, I'm going to continue to support them. Yeah, and you know, I, I think yeah, I've seen a lot of similar. Uh, feelings like that, you know, they want to support local and that's fine. You know, you can buy whatever you want, drink whatever you want, vote with your dollar. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're not telling you that you need to go buy 10 barrel beer. Yeah. Uh, If you don't want to don't, that's fine. Um, you know, but I think, uh, there, there are positives and I I think it might've been the article you linked to. Um, but I saw it somewhere that, uh, you know, since goose Island was purchased, they now uh, have built the largest barrel aging program in the yes, country. Yes, yes, that was in the article. Yeah, and you know that's awesome. Those they have this line of beers. Um, you know, uh, Matilda is one of my favorites yeah, out of it. And I yeah. can't think of all the other different names right now, um, but it's a lot of like uh, French style names, uh, like first names. Mm-hmm. And you know, those beers are now able to get in the hands of people all over the country where before it was a limited release. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, And, you know, uh, similarly, um, you know, he talked about uh, Anheuser-Busch not having passion. Uh, They're well regarded around the brewing industry for their uh, ability um, in brewing beer. I mean, Technically, they are the most sound uh, of anybody. I mean, think how difficult it is to brew across multiple facilities across the country mm-hmm. something that tastes the exact same yeah. to yeah. anyone. That guy that likes Budweiser in California, he can fly to New York and get something that is exactly the same, and he would have no idea that it was brewed you know, somewhere on the East Coast as opposed to their facility in California. Mm-hmm. You know. There's a lot of expertise that comes from that. Mitch Steele, the head brewer at Stone, Stone yep. came from Anheuser-Busch. I mean, you don't think that the stuff he learned there has helped catapult Stone into all these different programs they're doing mm-hmm. now? Yeah, true. Of course it did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the Ten Barrel guys said in their video they're looking for the op- operational expertise. Mm-hmm. That's because that's a reality. Yeah. You know, these guys know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they take top graduates out of all these brewing programs because <laughs> that's what they need, the best brewers out there. Yeah. And, you know, sure, we can argue that the product isn't exactly what you want, but a lot of people want it. <laughs> so at the end of the day, they're doing something right. Yeah. You know, so 
I'll step off my soapbox now. And, no, no. Uh, you got, those <laughs> but, ex- excellent points. Excellent points. I, I mean, that's the, that's the key is just because we have – I mean, I love the to think about these craft breweries as, as you know, the, the, the little man fighting to get a piece of the pie that the big man is – is, is just trying to squash them and they're fighting and fighting and they succeed. But but you know what? What happens if Tin Barrel is fighting that fight, but they they make great beer, but the business aspect and the distributing and all that is falling down around them and they actually can't do it anymore because of other issues. And I would hate to see that. Right now, all of a sudden, you had an opportunity that fell because they weren't able to uh, you know, to do the business side well, they could brew beer well, but they weren't able to do everything else. And overall, the company fails because of their poor business practices or whatever. I'm not saying that's what's going on, but they definitely hinted in a lot of the different articles I read that hey, they don't like doing business the part. They want to just brew beer. Let's focus on beer. Let someone else handle all that other stuff, so that we can keep doing what we do well, and, that, and that's the beer part. Uh, my only thing, my biggest worry is right now, I, uh, you know, because I have Timberell Brew Pub. It's just, you know, it's a uh, micro brew. It's, I think they have a, oh, I can't remember what they do. They do like 30, oh, no, I can't. I think it's like a 30 or 40 barrel. I don't remember what they have. They, 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 they have quite a bit of production, but not as big as their main brewery. But, what I enjoy the most about having them here is I can go in there every single week and guaranteed I'll get a beer that I've never had before. And they have 20 taps, maybe even 20. They have 20 taps, maybe even 28 taps. I can't remember. All their own beer. They don't they don't have any guest taps. Of course, one of the jokes was, well, at least now I'll be able to get a Bud Light when I go to Timber. I, was, <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> but, um, but the variety. The unique beers, the variety of beers, the one-offs of these different styles, that is what I enjoy. I enjoy seeing a twist of a style that you just don't see. And it may, it may turn out really well, and it may not turn out all that great. It may not be a beer that I'll, I'll have again, but hey, it was something they tried, and, and that's how you get some of these great beers is just by trial and error. And I hope that now that they're – you know, going to be moving in on the more corporate side that they don't try to to weed that in and make it so that instead of having, you know, instead of brewing 60 different beers in a year that, you know, they have to focus on only doing 20. You know, that would be what's, what would hurt us is that not getting those n- unique new beers, um, that, that would just make it less of, I wouldn't enjoy it as much because I enjoy the, the variety of, of stuff that they provide. So... <clears throat> Uh, you know, we've talked about uh, Red Hook before. Mm-hmm. They have a uh, Anheuser Busch has a partial stake in Red Hook. Uh, it's like thirty three percent or forty percent. Uh, it's part of a distribution agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people were also had similar concerns. You know, now, uh, but going to their tap room, I can tell you they have plenty of things that you can only get there. Oh, good. Uh, and you know, they still experiment. They still do. Uh, you know, kind of what they want. Um, so I, I, I would say let's exercise a little caution before we completely condemn, yeah. you know, any of this uh, and, and, you know, good on them. Uh, you know, the, the founders, you know, you built something that was obviously 
very valuable and very successful and you know kudos to you yeah so. yeah three gold i mean three medals i'm not i mean at the great american beer fest last few years they've won th- you know three medals i don't know what they were one was for cucumber crush which is a fantastic beer and i'm sorry john that you weren't able to try that when you were here because that is a is a berliner vice and it's got cucumber and it's it's fantastic it won gold i think it won gold medal for that style this year i think it was it this year yeah yeah i think it was this year i mean so that's another reason why you know people say why did they pick timber it's a small little fledgling you know it's because they've been doing things right and they've been showing that they are at you know at the top of their game as far as beer you know brewing beer and, and doing stuff what people like and and that, you know why not? Why not buy them? Why not? You know, if you're going to buy a company, buy what what you think is going to be the you know the, the best. Not just go for something that has quantity. Go you know they already have quantity. Now they want to go with something that's more boutique, and grow it and get that boutiqueness out to more areas of the country. There's no way that Tin Barrel would be distributing, you know, across the country in maybe a year, you know as without doing this right they have a potential of you know of getting the funding to get the you know to get to more you know to either open another brewery where they have more capacity or i don't know what their i haven't been to their site and been so i don't know how much room they have there but you know that they're going to be throwing money at to to get more fermenters and get more another brew system and start you know producing more of these beers or either that or they're going to take it to some of their bigger facilities i don't know what, how that works uh, I think, I mean, as far as what I, they've, the brewers have said, it, they said they're going to keep brewing in Bend. So, as far as I understand, the brewing is still going to be mainly in Bend, Oregon. So they're not losing, the community's not losing that brewery. The brewery's still there. The people that work there are still the local people that, you know, that live in the Bend area, and so it still is local. And I'm telling you, Ten Barrel is all about community. They. They are involved in so many uh, volunteer activities and fundraisers and everything. I mean, they're huge in the community. That's not going to change. How, I don't believe that that's going to change overnight just because a big corporation bought, bought them out. You know, they're going to still support their local community. All right. Did we uh, talk that out enough? <laughs> we probably exhausted it. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, I just thought that I know that a lot of our listeners that are in the Northwest area that have enjoyed Tin Barrel and they're kind of worried about this whole thing. Maybe, maybe I've helped settle them down a little bit, but um, I, I'm, I'm actually shocked that I didn't take the low road and just condemn them and, and say, and give them up. You know, I'm actually, as I'm getting older and as John has been working on me over these last few years, he's really got me to calm down and not go overboard and find the good in, in things and not just dwell on my personal you know, frustrations is that, Hey, you know what? There's a silver lining. There is a silver lining. There's, you know, it's gotta be a good to this. It's not all, you know, bad. Uh, one of the few people who thinks I'm a good influence. You are, <laughs> you are very good influence. All right. Um, you know what? There's a, there's one other article that, that I found that was released this week from cnbc.com. Uh, and it kind of, it, you know, it kind of goes into what I just mentioned about all these people that are jumping out of the woodwork and condemning a small craft brewery for joining, you know, you know, for being acquired or selling out to a to big beer. And 
This article is called Elitism or Something Else, Millennials and the War on Big Beer. We're not, I'm not going to read this or anything, but we're, I think John and I might just highlight some of the key things that are in this, in this article. So for one thing, in case anyone doesn't know what a millennial is, uh, a millennial is basically a person, it's, it's a person that comes of age, adulthood, uh, in the 2000s, right around 2000. And that would also be known, I think they call them the, the Generation Y. And I think, John, I think you were right in that, you're, you're a millennial. Yeah, I think so. So uh, I'm sorry. Um, this is this article is kind <laughs> of uh, focusing you. I think they say from 92 to 94. Oh no, never mind. I'm in the wrong spot. Uh, yeah, I can't think of it. But but that but that's the millennial group, and these are the ones that are most vocal because these are the first group of. Now I say that in general terms because I obviously gravitated towards craft beer, and I'm a. I guess what am I? Generation X, I guess. Is that what I was? Generation whatever the. I'm I'm a ten years older than John, or or maybe more than ten. I don't know, but we'll uh, let that go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can't keep track of, uh, of of where we're at. But but basically, this group of of generation was the first one that kind of went away from what mom and what mom and grandpa or mom <laughs> mom and dad or dad and grandpa drank. Right, dad and grandpa. Were all about the you know what they what they were raised with, which was Budweiser, Bud Light, Coors, Coors Light, you know whatever their their beer choice and in, in mass product because that's what was available to them. That's what they grew up on. They're satisfied with drinking that same taste. They don't need to go away from that. Generation Y comes in. They say, you know what? I'm kind of tired of drinking the the same old stuff that 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 uh, dad and grandpa drank. I I want to drink something that has a little bit more taste. Uh, but this says that uh, one of the driving factors uh, towards craft beer is because uh, it's the simplest thing. It's the taste. Of consumers who are choosing to drink fewer mass market light beer brands, 27% said the primary reason is they're getting tired of the taste. They're getting tired of that same old kind of bland or more bland taste. While the other 21% were consuming more types of other beer, according to this this survey, they say that they're not as loyal as their parents were. Uh, this is from Joe Thompson, the president of the Independent Beverage Group. Says we came from an age of mega beers, and now people that made the mega beers famous, their children are the millennials, and they don't want to drink what their parents did. I think that's that's an interesting point about loyalty. Um, and I think that spreads, you know, for a lot of people uh, in that generation, you know, because uh, across uh, different things, you know, especially, you know, job markets and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've kind of been taught a lesson that they don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it used to be you join a company, you stay there 30 years. Yeah. Uh, you get your gold watch and you retire. Yeah. You know, that. People now jump all over the place. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it's a different, uh, you know, people have different ideals, I guess, of what they're they're looking for now because they just look out for themselves. And, you know, if you're looking out for yourself, you would get the best thing you can for yourself, which would be better tasting beer. So, uh, you know, I think it all just kind of falls in line with this more, uh, kind of more independent um, generation mm-hmm. uh, rather than just kind of following what's been done. 
Yeah. You know. Yeah, they, uh, there's a couple other things, too, that this says here that an increasing preference for beer does not necessarily mean that more, more sales are, are occurring. It says especially when dealing with craft beer because as young drinkers switch from they, – they give a you know, Miller Lite to craft, they'll drink one or two crafts when they would used to drink three or four Miller Lights. And this is because, in, in short, the millennial drinker may have realized that, hey – they can get the same buzz from two craft beers as they can from three or four light beers, and they can also get a better tasting beer. That's the you know that's the key, right? You don't have to just you know guzzle a bunch and get a big beer belly just to get a little bit of a, a buzz going. Now you can just drink one or two. You 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 feel for one thing you feel fuller and you feel the alcohol thing and uh, it tastes better. That's the keys. Yeah, and, you know, it dovetails right into what we just talked about. You know, we're looking for better tasting things. And, you know, as 10 barrel continues, if mm-hmm. it still tastes good, we'll still drink it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um, it's an interesting article. If you want to find it, just go to CNBC and, like I said, do do a search for elitism or something else. And that should probably get you there. I just thought it was interesting because that's what our show is trying to not be. We don't want to. We don't want to cater to the elite beer drinker. We want to cater to the everyday beer drinker. The you know the masses, the ones that hey, you know I don't want to talk to you like you know like we're special. We're not special. We just we all enjoy beer and we all want to drink good beer. And that's we're coming to you on an even playing field, not on a elitist playing field. But it, what, one of the funny things in this article, too, is that they said that, hey, you know, Miller and, and uh, Budweiser, they just they saw this craft movement. And so they started releasing those beers that had a higher alcohol content. You know, those – those what were they? Uh, Budweiser Black Crown, Bud Light Platinum. Uh, there was another one from Miller called Miller Fortune. These are all beers that had a higher alcohol content because they thought, heck, you know what? These, these younger people – are looking for beers that have more punch, we're going to go ahead and give them to them. The problem is, is that, you know, I don't think those people were really looking at the, at the mega beer companies for, for their product. They're looking for the small that, you know, they know, they know that the good, the better tasting beers and the more artesian beers are going to come from smaller breweries. So they were, you know, they're kind of trying to aim at the longer, younger crowd, but instead they were just getting their normal old, old fogey crowd and the old fogies don't want to pay more for 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 beer so they're going to continue drinking the the bud bud light miller light stuff so all right you got anything else on that john no i think we covered it okay so hey you know with last episode we mentioned early mentioned that for episode nine our listener beer tasting was going to be done with uh uh, old Rasputin in Russian Imperial Stout. So I just want to remind you, next episode, episode nine, make sure you go and find at least one bottle of Old Rasputin Russian Imperial Stout and be prepared for our tasting notes in episode nine. All right, John, it's time to uh, raise our glass and uh, maybe give a toast or a cheers to some uh, some friends of ours. Do you have anyone you want to toast? Uh, yeah, I just want to another thanks to the folks at platform junkies for having us on it was a good time and i uh, hope folks will go listen and 
and maybe find an, another podcast they'll enjoy. Um, and then I just want to say thanks to all the listeners who have uh, been, you know, friending me on Twitter and, and things. I've gotten a lot more people to talk beer with. And all right, uh, I've even gotten some new uh, video game uh, partners. So that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, so thank you everybody for for listening and and talking beer with us. It's awesome. Excellent. Yeah, that's great news. Great news. I've also got a few more people on my Twitter too. So thank you. I want to thank raise my glass to everyone that listens like John and and all the new people joining us on Twitter. I also want to do a cheers just uh, I mentioned Hophead Hardware. They they have glassware that's uh, that's that's made for beer and we're getting ready to to get some of these glasses in our own hands and we will be doing some glassware reviews for you talking about these glasses but hey go check out hophead hardware and see what he has to offer he's got uh, reasonable prices on some uh, good glassware and unique glassware for you to drink your beers so that's jimmy he's in tennessee uh i'll have some more information in the next episode i also want to just uh, thank open forum radio network for supporting the show and for providing the hosting space at openforumradio.com. Really appreciate all the support they they give our show. And hey, you know what? Veterans Day is November 11th, and uh, I just want to encourage everyone to go out, and if you know someone that was in the service or is in the service, to thank them for, uh, for protecting our freedoms, because we would not be able to sit here and talk to you right now and drink beer like we are uh, if we didn't have the freedoms that we have. So, uh, you know, hey, it, it, it doesn't, freedom doesn't come free. So, and of course, myself being a former serviceman, I also want to raise my glass and thank all those who have served and who are currently serving in the U.S. military service that are protecting our freedoms. I want you to please stay safe and return home to your families very soon. And if you would like to contact the show, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at tapthecraft or leave comments on the show post on openforumradio.com or Google Plus. Just search for Tap the Craft. And I have been putting a lot of content on our Google Plus. Uh, I don't know why because I think Google Plus is like a dead thing, but hey, it's still, that's one way I can get uh, some news articles out and we can provide some extra content that goes along with the show. So Google Plus, go out and check us out, and uh, you can get the extra content there. Yeah, we're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. <laughs> we're going to make. We're, we're pushing for Google Plus to survive. Uh, you can also you can follow me personally on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Untapped at Loose Screw. That's one word: L U C E S C R E W. And also on Google Plus at Denny Loose, one word. And you can and uh, John, how can listeners follow you? So on Twitter at Prime Brewing, uh, on Untapped Prime W A, and I randomly blog about uh, brewing and beer over at HomebrewEngineer.com. Yes, yes, I visited the site after our last show and left some comments on on your uh, on your post. And one comment I left was on the wrong post. Somehow it got posted to the wrong post, so I left it again on the r- the right post. Were you drinking? Is it? Of course, of course. <laughs> when, when am I not drinking? So, yeah, I, I, you know what? I like, I would really enjoy seeing more stuff on there from you. So that's, I'm encouraging you to keep writing. I, I really like 
you know what you put on there and your take on on things. So, so please continue so that when I do start homebrewing, I have some reference to fall back on. All right, we'll do. Okay. All right, guys. It's last call. It's time to bring the show to a close. We again, John and I want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show. We hope that you were able to find something useful, at least one thing useful, please. And we welcome you to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Uh, our, we put out a show once every two weeks. And uh, that's it for episode eight. And remember, friends don't let friends drink light yellow fizzy beer. Quality craft beer can be enjoyed by all. So spread the word and convert the beer ignorant. Shaver from Open Forum Radio here. I want to go ahead and take a second to say thank you for checking out this episode of Tap the Craft. And I would like to encourage each of you to check out some of the other shows that we have here on the Open Forum Radio Podcast Network. Uh, we'll start it off with the original Open Forum Radio, The 40 Cast, Prove Your Point, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, My Peanut Gallery, The Married Gamers, Some Other Castle, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, just press start, platform junkies, and jobbers on the mic. Hey, be cool. Give a great review to all the shows you like on iTunes, Podbay, Stitcher, everywhere you can give reviews. Review every show five times, and you are officially a good listener. Also, go ahead and visit openforumradio.com. Links to all the different shows. Uh, like the Open Forum Radio Facebook page. And uh, take a second, if you like playing games online and with people and are cool, to uh, go ahead and look at Zabari's Gamer Information Spreadsheet. Fully useful information that will do nothing but enhance your online gaming experience. All right, folks, take it easy. Have a good day.